foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. You're listening to Katie Says, the podcast that helps you become aligned and well. Join us for conversations with Katie Bowman, biomechanist, creator, and director of the Restorative Exercise Institute, author, teacher, blogger, mother, and total body nerd. Understand the mechanical causes of modern ailments, learn how to fix them, and restore yourself to a more functional state of natural human movement. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. And now, your host, Danny Hammett. All right, here we are talking again, you and I, one of the best parts of my week. Woohoo! Today is very special because this month marks our one-year podcast anniversary. Oh my goodness! A year ago this month, we started the Katie Says Podcast, and I just want to say to you, happy anniversary. This has been a really fun year for me. What's the one-year anniversary? Paper? I Well, and here's the rub. I didn't get you anything. Oh, my gosh. I didn't get you anything either. I know you're not a stuff person, so I figured, eh, she don't care. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't mind at all. So happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Thank you. It has been a blast. I know. Let's, and, let's and we've learned. Champagne. Yes, we've learned a lot. This episode of Katie Says is cool for other reasons because we are going to talk about nature school. Right now, most kids in America spend seven hours a day sitting in a chair inside a building for their education, but there are other options, one of them being nature school. Today, we're going to talk about the nature school in your community, and we're going to talk about what other schools in the U.S. and around the world are doing to help decrease um, what is known as nature deficit disorder. We're also going to offer some first steps that you can take to get a nature school started in your own community, if you're curious or 
maybe help find one near you. Or or can I just pop in? Maybe if you're like, there's no way I'm starting a school thing because I already have a job. <laughs> like just maybe even taking tiny tidbits of what we talk about today and just implementing them 15 minutes a day into your life, what you do on weekends with your uh, groups of friends. So if like, don't turn it off just because you're like, there's no way I can like bulk the traditional education system. We're talking about like broader than that, I would say. Yeah. Absolutely. And I okay, have good. some resources that we're going to talk about at the end of the show for that very reason. Okay. Um, to help you kind of just take those bits and pieces and move them into your life. Because yeah, you don't have to go all Maria Montessori on us and start a, a new trend, but you can do little things that help get the same benefits as a nature school. Awesome. Because, yeah, I don't have time to start school either. Yeah, I'll start one tomorrow in my free time. Sounds good. Bring it. There's a difference between nature camp, you know, like timber nook or when you go to camp in the summer, and a nature school. What's a nature school? Um, Well, I guess it's probably just the difference has to do with time. You know, a camp is this isolated. You either go away and live there for a week or you go, you know, every day for a week. And then you return to your regular life. You know, there's, there's, uh, I'm just trying to speak. I'm trying to, I'm trying to actually recall. I know I went to camp, but it didn't leave that big of an impression on me. I think I went to like a Girl Scout camp a few times. But nature school is your schooling happening in a natural setting. And there's a couple different types of nature school. You know, nature school is like a category. There are schools that have a much stiffer, curriculum where they're actually doing traditional curriculums just outside. And then there are schools in which the curriculum is nature. And that changes, I mean, it changes depending on the, I guess, the mission of the school, but then also depending on the year of the student. So preschools set in a natural setting would be different than sixth and eighth grades set in a natural setting. And there are those types of schools but they're going to be different. So I would just say that what we're talking about right now is schooling that happens in a natural setting. So everything that you are, um, not every, not necessarily everything item to item that you're getting out of school, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't be going to natural school and also to regular school. Although there are survival schools, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about your curriculum, Mm -hmm. your preschool, your first grade, your third grade happening in nature. Yeah, and there are probably more um, nature preschools, you know, in kindergartens than there are for older grades right now in the United States. I would say so, and probably the world. Yeah. Okay. So why would a nature school matter to me? Gosh, how long is this episode? I mean, I don't know why it would matter. Well, it is your anniversary, so thank you. (laughs) You can have anything you want, (laughs) especially because I didn't get you anything. Feel free to talk. why it matters to you would probably be different than why it matters to me. All I can speak of is why it matters to me. You know, right now we're constantly spending billions of dollars on research on like people who are ill on, on uh, children who are struggling, whether you're talking about physically, emotionally, psychologically communities. I mean, there, there are so many problems, right? Well, just like there are problems yet, for me, when you're looking at trying to solve a problem, you want to make sure that you're asking the right question. And I think understanding, especially after, you know, you talked about nature deficit disorder at the, be- at the beginning of the show. You mentioned it, and it's a term that was coined by um, 
Richard Louvre. And do you remember the title of his book? Uh, Last Child in the Woods. Last Child in the Woods. So that's a, that gives a good framework for, you know, there's so many research articles on different aspects. Like we call nature like an environment, but there's all these different uh, reduction of nature to vitamin D and, you know, light exposure and what's coming off of the trees and abundant amount of walking and fresh air and, and dirt and microbiome and, and all these like fractured pieces. But when you kind of put them all together, as as you can read in um, Richard's book, I talked about him like like he was my friend, like my friend Richard. <laughs> he just wrote this book. You should get it. Um, <laughs> I just like to be familiar with people right off the bat. That you realize that other people have really assembled giant bodies of research for you. And it's like, okay, animals do well in a natural environment. There's a particular habitat. So I just felt like to continue in my own home to the discussion about like the giant elephant in the room, which is we're not supposed to be sitting, you know, as much. We're supposed to be moving more. We need more outdoor time. Yet the biggest uh, roadblock to that is that we have this system in which you go into the school as a very young child and begin decades of sitting to prepare mm-hmm. you for decades more of sitting. It was kind of like my stop the insanity moment, movement and just be like, let's, let's, just, let's just not – I couldn't put my kids into a sitting school. I personally couldn't. Like I felt very out of alignment, if you will – with a decision like that. And we were very fortunate that we did not have an existing nature school here before. It just happened to start the year that my oldest child was about to go into a preschool. Wow. And so that was I was good like, luck. it was good luck. And they're, you know, they're preschoolers. I was like, well, you know, I didn't know, I don't have older kids. So a lot of people who have a lot of children or have been teachers, like they have a broader sense of education and other parents have, like I'm just starting to really like, like the education for your children is a huge time consumption for your mind. Like the number of decisions and the pros and cons lists that you're constantly having to weigh. Like it's no joke. It's a it's it's a serious use of my of my computer hard drive. Like my memory is like constantly smoking, going like, do I do this or do I that, do it that way? Am I not getting too much of this or too much of that? Like so, wherever every parent is listening to this right now, it's like whatever you're doing is. Like, there's no judgment on whatever decision people are making. This is just what we decided. It's like it was perfect. And so we went into nature school. And why it's important to me is mostly for physiological and biochemical and biomechanical reasons. I just felt that all of the things that I help people with later on in their life start now. And so what if I didn't? What if I learned from that experience? And had the opportunity to choose something different, and so I chose something different. Wow, you benefit and we benefit because then we get to learn about it. Well, you're learning about it, so that's cool. Yeah, I'm learning about it with you. Yeah, that's great. Let's go back to that that physiological requirement. I'm sure a lot of parents and or kids would you know balk at what would be required because you're not just sitting; you're doing all sorts of stuff. Can you kind of go into that? You mean what? What kind of things? Oh, at nature school. Um, yeah. Um. Well. You know, there's it's it looks different. I mean, there's it's I'll say that it's constant movement, but that's it's not like an exercise school. There's lots of still 
inquiry, you know, lots of, you know, you're, you're moving through the forest in many cases. And of course, every day is different. So there is no, there's not as strict of a routine where you're trying to manage the space of a room. You know, it's like, okay, this group goes over, you know, to this side of the room and you do this. Now it's time to wash your hands. Now it's time for your snack. Like it's, the day has some general organization to it, but it's, you know, what's really considered to be um, children's interest driven. You know, there's always going to be uh, safety. Like safety is the first and foremost, I would say, foundation of the school. So there's never anything going on that's unsafe. But essentially the kids are moving through some sort of hike loop. But of course, you can't plan a school of 10 children on a loop because, on a real loop, because what happens if you find the salamanders right. that are starting to come out early and then you'll miss that discussion. If you have to keep going, you'll miss the discussion of what salamanders coming out in February means as opposed to salamanders coming out in April means. And then that lends itself to broader discussions about weather and temperature and things that we forget how we learn them. Like if you think back to how you learn these concepts of temperature, like a lot of times it was just, you know, in a book with a, with a little picture of a temperature and then like a picture of something being frozen, like as opposed to actually chipping the ice off. And, and also, anyway, we can talk more about that kind of stuff, less like individual things that my kids have experienced, but you're moving through, you're having discussions, there's songs, right? There's sing songy stuff, you know, that's going on. Um, and there are, there's art, the art is, you know, using charcoal, finding fires that other people have left behind. And then therefore That's using, cool. yeah, like rocks and, and um, charcoal. And just to verify, these, these kids are outside all day. Yes, there is. No, so everyone's like, okay, so, so it's like outdoors as long as it's like not bad weather. No, it's, there's no building. It is a 100% outside school. They don't start in a building and then move outside. You drop your kids off outside. They stay outside the entire time, even if it's raining, and then you pick them back up when they're done. And then there there are some those safety types of weather where they are not allowed outside. So lightning, obviously, heavy yeah, winds. But think storm. about the teaching moment. I know. <laughs> well, that's electricity, kids. You see how your hair is standing up on its end? Yeah, I mean, you got mathematics, you got odds, you, it's all good. you, you have physics. <laughs> it's amazing. You can really talk about statistics, um, outliers. <laughs> when you're looking at the layer, the one who is outlaid in front of you, hmm. um, you anyway. might want to talk to the administrators about changing that. That's anyway. Go ahead. Oh my gosh, um, what were we talking about? Uh, being oh, outside safety. all day yeah, and so safety. safety. So, like, there's some safety parameters that outdoor schools. We'll have, depending on the area, for us, high winds is one because they're in a forest. Trees blow down all the time, so that's not – or they'll change their location to a field. You know, so it's it's kind of cool because there is this dynamic ability of mm-hmm. the school when it doesn't have a structure. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, 100% outside, baby. That is fantastic. Just like it- humans have been. Like, you're not made of brown sugar, people. <laughs> Rain is fine. <laughs> Yeah, the, the German word for that is a Waldkindergarten, which is, is a school mm. without walls or ceiling. Okay, That's... I just wanted to say that something I just learned about you is that you're fluent or that, you, that you've that you studied many languages and you were yes. saying, and German is one of them? Yes. Say it again. Waldkindergarten. Oh, 
That's great. Did you get your money's worth right there? Your degree's money worth right there? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Six years of college. Thank you. <laughs> vald kids cotton. There. That's the only word I know. And what, um, is vald, what does vald mean? It Forest. Oh, okay. Forest. Okay, so outside all the time. I guess for me, just as a parent, one of the things that I would be thinking about is, well, if they're always outside, you know, how are those foundations getting taught? But you said that they do well, learn. I think that's, I mean, that's a cultural thing. Like, even if we kept the curriculum identical, like spelling or or whatever, like the idea that that has to happen indoors is probably the first assumption that you would want to let go. Like, okay. there's nothing that says that you couldn't do all of the curriculum that you do in your school on a park bench, right? Right. So it would be more like, okay, but where do the papers, who ha- who has the papers? Like, it's like, where do you keep the stuff is really, is more the question, you know? And it's like, well, every child has their own backpack. Okay. So every child is responsible for, which I love, the relationship to their stuff, as opposed to going into a room where yeah. an overabundance of stuff is made convenient by the structure that houses it for them. But if a child has to carry their stuff, and the teacher too, the teacher carrying carrying their stuff for the day. Um, you, be, you, It's a much more organic relationship between comprehending just how much baggage you have, right? It's like, it's on right. my back. It's squishing my bones. It's pressing on my shoulders. And, and the children have the ability to decrease, you know, like to take away, like I asked my son, you know, I'm packing his backpack. And then it was like coming to this discussion of, you know, I don't actually drink a full bottle of water a day. So I'd like to lighten my load by reducing the amount of water in my bottle to the water that I actually will drink. And well, it was that's like, cool. it was just, I mean, that's a, that is a lesson in weight and measure that he came to on his own. Right. This, this idea, because he has experienced carrying more than he needs and would like to not do that. And so, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just like mindlessly filling the bottle full, you know, it's like, take your water. It's like, I'm only going to be gone for a few hours. I know how much water I need. This is how much water I always drink. This is how much water you always pour out, you know, you know, get with the program, mom, you know, and. But that's very cool. And also just, I mean, just that side lesson in the personal responsibility, which, you know, just can't be taught with words. Right. I mean, yes. I mean, it was just like a, wow. I, uh, and then there was a lesson of volume. Like there was so much that, that came out of that, that I really loved. Mm -hmm. That's cool. What are some of the things like math or, you know, tell me some of the things that your kids have, have learned in this last year. Well, you know, they're, so they're little, and they're, I know they're, they're preschool. Little. Yeah. Right. They, right. So, so I would say the earlier lessons on math, you know, like we come, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting on you. I come from, you know, schools where math has been like very operational. Like I, you know, I've memorized these operations and, and I love them. You know, I've memorized these operations and I've, and I've done them to different degrees and they're in math is a very like broad term for lots of different um, ways of solving a problem on like how things relate to each other, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. we've read how things relate to each other has been reduced to math so that you can understand how they relate to each other or you can quantify it. And I would say that you're, early understandings of math have to do with the ability to see how things relate to each other. So there's this really cool game that my friend who teaches at a preschool has, and it's like, it's like a, it's like cats. It's like a, it's like a box of cats or like a jar of plastic cats. 
and the cats um, are all different colors and the cats are all different sizes. And actually that's not, that's not correct. It's a box of animals, different animals, different colors, different sizes. And the first thing that kids are able to do is like really sort these animals by color. So then they're able to make a pile of blue and a pile of green and a pile of red. But then if you say something like sort these animals by type, it's harder to pick out the cats because the cats are all different colors. And so you you begin mm. to learn how to sort by different categories. And so that's that's usually that's the kind of like preschool and really even kindergarten math. Also, you're learning how to count and you're learning um sizes and things. So they 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 get that in the same way, only it's not plastic toys that they're playing with. It'd be more like, I need four pine cones. Like if we're gonna make this fire, we need four pine cones. And so the kids like you know, run out and then they'll grab, each grab four, you know, and then you have things to count. And then it's like, oh, you know what? I need something larger. So you learn the concept of things that are larger and smaller, but then you also learn temperature, right? When is it warmer? And like you have a thermometer and they have a journal, you know, they they don't really know how to write yet. So like earlier on, the journals are more like drawing pictures of what you see or making maps. You know, how far was that? Did we go farther today than last time? How do we know what are some what are some external things? Like we passed this tree, then this tree, then this tree. And then what are some internal things? Like I'm just more tired. But just because you're more tired, does that mean that you went farther? Or could there be other reasons where you're tired? So, Like your mom filled your water bottle up too? Yes. Like is your mom a jerk and she gave you like four pounds of water to carry today? <laughs> Why did you today? stay hydrated unnecessarily so? Yeah. And, I, and, it's, and then there's just a lot of just like respect and and respect for other things and, and animals, right? You're, they're constantly looking at animals. And the craziest thing is like, I can go on a walk with my just four-year-old. This is when he was three and a half, when he'd only been in the school for a few months. And he could point out, the, like he could name the trees. Okay, and that the, is cool. He could name the trees and he could name the plants. Like I, stuff that I had no idea of. The first th- the, our first moment like of, of this trust was... This berry, this berry, you know, we're new here. So I don't know any of the native plants that are here. And he's like, you know, my daughter is like picking some berry because she always wants to put every berry in her mouth. And he's like, oh, she can have that. That's edible. And I was like, well, okay. All right. You're three. What do you know? And you're, and she was like, not even two yet. And he's like, no, turn it. You see, you see the star here? There's five lines and a dot. And you turn it over and the leaf looks like it has big tiger teeth or, you know, they, they use things like that. He's like, and I was like, well, what's it called? He's like, oh, it's a salal berry. And I, and, or, and he was like, you know, he's like saying, he's like salal berry. Like I could, I didn't know what a salal berry was. And I was like, I don't know. What do we do? Do we question his understanding? Because we don't go to outdoor school and say, well, I don't know if you're right about that. And, but at the same time, do we want our son to accidentally feed poisonous berries to our daughter? So we just, you know, texted the teacher and took a picture of it. She's like, oh yes, salal berry. And I was like, we are at a place where our child knows more than we do. And it's a constantly, it's a, it's reversed a relationship. It's like, what's this called? And he'll tell you what it is like, oh, that's a salmonberry because you can see this has this, this, and this. And oh, it's a dandelion. That's fantastic. Worth it, right? So, oh so my gosh. curriculum, if we're going to talk about curriculum, I feel like his curriculum completely exceeds any expectation that I would have ever had. Like for me, I was like, well, he can learn regular stuff, you know, later on, you know, after he's a couple years being outside, there's no reason. And, and it's like, 
he's uh, what he knows right now astounds me. And I know every parent, like you just don't expect your used to be like a little bag of, you know, blobby bones, like turns into this thing that knows more than you do. And you are only four years older than me because they are pattern recognition machines and nature and math and, and even language is just patterns. And so if you can hone in your pattern recognition skills, if you are given such a, a broad exposure to patterns because you're looking at 10,000 things in three hours um, because there are no walls or limitations to your school and your school is constantly changing with the seasons, what they learn will blow your mind. That is cool. Yeah. And one of the the wonderful things about parenthood is when they do start to know more than you in certain things. That's great. That's, I knew that was awesome. coming. I knew that really? was coming. Did you know but, I was going to say that? Oh. But no, 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 I didn't know that you were saying that. I knew the okay. moment in which they knew more. I just didn't realize it would happen before their fourth birthday. Yeah, that's amazing. That's I amazing. I want to go to nature preschool. Well, our school is actually. I'm only starting forty a, years too old. So. Our school is starting an adult program. Yeah. <gasps> That is awesome. Yes. I mean, nature school, like we're all in school all the time, right? We just call it the sure. internet. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm going to internet. I'm going to school, Facebook, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I read 17 articles today. And it's like, if you, if you took that hunger for learning and combine it with our hunger for being in nature, which you might not realize you have yet and marry them together, it's amazing. Cool. So if they're outside all day, so pretend I'm a parent and I have some concerns that yeah, they're going to be outside all day, you know, that's just too much. And I know. Aside from the lightning and everything, what, <laughs> well, I mean, what would you, what would you say to that? How would you speak to that if I'm, I'm all in except for that, well, you know, what do they, they go potty outside, do they eat outside, what well, do I? Well, those, you know, logistic questions are great. I think the, you want to check your, this idea that you can be outside too much. You know, like that, like that itself, again, that's just a cultural thing. Like, won't you get sick if you're out? Like, won't you get sick if you are not inside your house, you know? And so you obviously, you don't want to confuse being inside with rest. You can rest perfectly well outside. Now, I'm thinking more of the elements and like yes. clothes and all that stuff. Yeah, clothes, you have them. But elements, like, again, being outside is not hard on your body. Or like, like you will go to do a CrossFit session you know, and that's hard on your body and you're hard on your body because it brings about an adaptation that you want. Being outside for eight hours is a load to your body that causes your body to adapt and strengthen to it. So it's just, it's all the same, like adaptation just happens the way that it happens. And so you end up getting a body that is well-suited for being outside for extended periods of time. Your erector pili muscles are... Mm are responsive. Your ability to regulate your temperature is practiced and responsive. Your immune system is strong. You are constantly engaging with the life that's in the dirt and therefore your body beefs up to be able to survive dealing with all of the organisms that you encounter. Like it, you, you are strengthened by being outside. But then again, don't confuse that with our, our need for rest. I mean, humans and adults, like if I go out and spend six hours outside, I'm exhausted, which is why I need lots and lots of sleep, which is why kids in outdoor school, mine, I don't know about other kids, my kids, like they're asleep by 7 p.m. and they sleep all the way until 6 a.m. And they 
Uh, I, I, I think you just like upped the enrollment in nature schools across the United States. Right well, there. you know, yeah. I've never had other kids. I've just had my kids and everyone's like, you know, we have lots of friends and their kids will stay up. You know, they take they're on different nap and sleeping schedules than our kids. But I think that our kids are fatigued and then need long periods of rest to adapt to long bouts of exposure. And so it's just fine. You know, also, though, as are the parents. So we ourselves have to go to bed very early because we're exhausted because we've been outside. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working a lot, a lot more inches of your body. You're not necessarily working, you know, your arms and your legs and your exercise. You know, your your whole body has been processing information. and But logistically, you know, you can pee outside and then they they carry a, a like a little squat toilet with them for pooping because I'm sure like that that was my thing I was like how do they poop? Well, first off, it's really interesting is kids seem to like regulate their they regulate their bowels so that they go to the bathroom in the morning before school. Like once they get on a routine, I don't think that they. I mean, I'm sure that accidents happen or 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 like I just randomly have to start pooping right now. But if you're it eating, happens to the best of us. Yes, yes, I have a good story about that, but we'll save it for another time. <laughs> You know, if you're if you're not mo- on our anniversary show, please. No, no, that's not romantic. That's not romantic at all. We'll save it for the. Mm-hmm. Let's save it for the accident. Never mind. I'm stopping right now. This stop. Yes. Go yes. for so it. They, for the, so for the kids, they carry a, a toilet in case of emergencies, like a little, um, you know, thing that you sit down and squat and and clean up. And but other than that, what else do you need? The kids carry mm-hmm. their own food on their back. They bring their own food and their own water. They take multiple rest breaks. The rest of the time they're moving, but they're always outside. That's so cool. Yeah. I was reading something that gal that started the one in Vashon, which is very Mm -hmm. popular. It's an outdoor school. Yes. Um, And she spoke to the whole being outside and, you know, kids getting sick. And I mean, just anecdotal evidence. But she said that being outside in the Pacific Northwest, they were actually healthier because they weren't sharing toys. Right. They were further away from each other when they're sneezing and coughing. And there, there's so many more things to touch outside. Like, it's not just let's all share, you know, these blocks, but it's there's a branch here, there's a, a leaf here, like all these different, their hands went so many different places. Well, that yes. it was just, it, it just the incidence was much lower. Well, I think that there's two, one, being outside is, I mean, you can, you can look at, you know, it used to be that old, like you're cold, stay inside, stay warm, stay covered, which makes sense. But then if you look at, the actual data. And so there's been a lot of, you know, over the last four or five years, like if you're sick, you might want to go outside because they found that regular exposure to cold air would actually boost your immune system. Um, but it all it is also, you know, it's like, you know, zoo animals get sick because they're all too close together. You're not supposed to be touching all of the same exact surfaces and you're not providing a very limited number of surfaces for all children to be wiping their hands and their snot and, and, you know, your sneezes are not kept inside and you just put them outside. And I don't preschool is usually when kids start really yes. getting sick. And, th- and that's what everyone told me like, oh, and I was like, I just didn't see it happen. But, but they're outside, not just on school days, but almost all of the time. They are almost never inside ever for the bulk of the day. You know, they're certainly inside every single day for hours, but compared to mm-hmm. the bulk of the day, the bulk of the day is spent outside. And and that's a big deal. So yes, you, you know, my mom and, you know, my grandmother, they're in, you know, that, that was like, well, don't they just get sick? Like, aren't you just coming down with colds? And maybe because we call it a cold, we associate it with being cold. I don't know, but there you go. Do you have any special gear 
that yes that you have them in or well gear so gear is a big deal for nature school if you're going to go um in year-round elements and you can you know if you just type in outdoor school or nature school you're going to find hundreds i mean there are there are a lot more outdoor schools i think than people realize a lot of them might be more low profile and operate out of local nature centers or audubon centers and i the reason i brought that up is because i i was thinking okay well we live in the pacific northwest that's kind of warmish compared to like milwaukee you know or something but i saw an actual one woman had blogged about her nature school and it was in the snow i mean these kids are in the snow so it's not a fair weather thing just in the same way that humans for you know thousands of years have been outside in all weather it's radical only because our minds are kind of shaped by being inside all of the time it might be done in a little different way and you need high quality gear because kids don't communicate discomfort in real like objective my feet are cold or I can't feel that you know they just whine you know like it's just kind of you know they just will behave in a different way so you have to every school usually has a requirement of gear so here in the wet season is what we're always um thinking about uh, I want to say protecting us because that implies danger but like we're just always like trying you're you're trying to create um you're trying to create clothing that allows as much comfort as possible. And the kids sit right on the ground. So obviously you need some sort of what we call rain gear, but um, we use Oki wear, O-A-K-I wear. So usually a school will have a list and that's local to Washington. Oh. It's a Vancouver, I think it's a Vancouver, Washington company, which I didn't know when we were ordering it, but it's like pants. They actually have just like rate like real thin flexible rain pants not like over bulky because remember yeah well sometimes they're real stiff yes and And so we could do a whole episode on clothing but so with with rain gear you don't just need it to protect you from rain while you're standing there it needs to be very malleable like you have to be able to move in it it has to be able to move with you but also not get hung up as you're climbing a tree or whatever that you're doing and and still provide warmth. And so, you know, good socks, shoes that are good at keeping the water out, rain pants, and they wear rain jackets. Again, very light, not the bulky rain jacket that at a regular indoor preschool, boots and rain jackets are meant to be worn like outside for 30 minutes, right? Put that on, go outside for recess, and then take it back off. So the consideration of how well you move in it for an extended period of time might not be there because it's primary goal is to just keep the water off. So I like Okiwear because it seems like to be designed with keep the water off while moving abundantly for an extended period of time in its in its design. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. And I was not paid to say any of that. Of this is not, not a commercial. You this never is a, are. This is a personal endorsement. Right. I guess we should talk about some things that people can do to either help create a nature school or don't get overwhelmed. duplicate you know some resources or things you could do to help you still reap those kinds of benefits without quitting your job selling your house and starting a nature school well i mean okay so we'll go read that kids outside book the last kid in the last child in the woods thanks sorry i'm like i just slaughter the names of other kids outside by my friend richard I have to tell you about one that just came out that I just started reading, so I can't speak to the awesomeness of it to the end, but so far, thus far, it is good. 
It's um, by Scott Sampson, and it's called How to Raise a Wild Child. Mm. And it's actually like steps. Oh, I read that book. Is it called, wild, is it called wild Kids? I'm just kidding. No, it's just How to... <laughs> <laughs> by your friend Scott. My friend Scott um. wrote Wild Kids. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's good, but it kind of has like step by step different ways in different circumstances to help your, yeah. you know, get your kids into nature. So anyway, once maybe we'll do a show on that once we've both uh, read that cover to cover. Yeah. And I think, you know, just I mean, one step one is just go outside more, go outside in whatever way is comfortable to you. Like you don't feel comfortable in the rain. Don't worry about it. Just go outside more on the days where it's not raining, but make sure that that you don't just have a lots of reasons why not to go outside and you just pull out different ones all the time for different scenarios. Like that happens a lot when you might just not recognize, oh, I really just don't want to go outside. Like there's always going to be a reason not to go outside. There are just also many reasons to go outside. So just pick one going, okay, the next time it is sunny today, we will drop what we're doing and we'll go outside. So some come up with that. Who cares what gear you're wearing? Just go run around outside. Also, like a lot of parents will say, especially parents who will come to like, I really like this idea. They'll be like, I like this idea of nature school, but my kid just isn't really a nature kid. Only really just because they've never been exposed to nature. Like the parents themselves are kind of uncomfortable. Like you, so with our school, there's, um, it's almost like a vetting process where, where you have to come to different, there's, there's nature school, but there's also like drop in with the parents um, once a week nature, like adventure club is what it's called here. Like where they just come and spend a couple hours just roaming and there's a teacher leading it, but the parents are there. So it's kind of like a, I never did any of the mommy and me stuff, but kind of like that, right? Where mm-hmm. there's someone leading it, but the parents are kind of sitting there, but eventually the parents kind of fall away. The more, you know, when you first start, you're holding, you know, like, oh, don't get in the water, you know, and you can hear like a lot of like, oh my gosh, don't, no, no, don't, 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 don't do that, don't, you know, and then eventually the kids are more like afraid to do anything because they're like, I don't, I don't know, I feel like everything's dangerous, but then the more they're there and everything is very safe, it's just, it might not feel safe to someone who's never right. seen their toddler walk over a bed of rocks. Like if your toddler has only walked on flat and level surfaces in the same way that you learn how to relax with them falling on flat and level surfaces because they just needed to get those muscles. You have to be comfortable letting them fall over rocks until they use different muscle. Like it's a whole new walking skill. All of a sudden, all of the muscles and mortar programming for walking do not apply to walking over boulders. I'm talking about a riverbed. Right. So they're going to fall and then all of a sudden the parents got both hands and it's like, oh, be careful, be careful. It's like once then, though, they see that all it takes is a full day. I mean, and when I talk about the days of school, they could be like three to four hours. Adventure Club is a couple hours. Once the kids are allowed to get their nature muscles, which really aren't muscles that only operate in nature, they're just muscles that operate on different textures and surfaces, right? It'd be like going to the gym and doing, it's a cross training of sorts. Then all of a sudden they're stable. And once they're stable, they get a little bit more comfortable. And then all of a sudden they're like, I want to get on that log because other kids are on that log. Like older kids are great hurdle makers or uh, not like a, they're like benchmarks, right? It's like, I want to, I want to do that. And then all of a sudden it wouldn't have occurred to you that climbing up on a log was something you could do until you saw a four-year-old do it. And you're two and a half and you might not reach it, 
but your arms are stretching up and you're like starting, just like when you first start to do a pull up, you know, you're starting the motions of being able to do something. And then one day your leg is long enough and it goes over. And it's just such a beautiful, organic training platform. And that's only speaking to the musculoskeletal side of things. Then there's all of the mental things that come with competency and efficacy and community. And, you know, that is nature. That's the name of my book. What? Community? I'm just going to call it like nature and stuff. Nature. Nature and stuff. And stuff. Kids and nature and stuff? Yeah. Kids and nature and stuff. In, in stuff? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my spiel on, on nature school. Would you pick well, nature school for your kids, do you think, now, if they had it? Do they have it there? Oh, my gosh. No, they don't. And when I was, like, looking them up, I just – there's so many. I In Washington, I, I just was thinking, gosh, maybe I should move back to the Pacific Northwest. There's so many options for adults yeah. and older kids, too, like, in Washington. But um, can I talk about some cool – sites that kind of give you ideas and help you connect with these other things, Absolutely. you know, with these communities. Okay. Yes. Really great one. Uh, Childrenandnature.org. And that's like a network that you can actually, it encourages grassroots initiatives, but you can look it up and connect with somebody in, in your community or near you, you know, somebody who's like just trying to get their kids outside or who started a little, you know, outdoor group or something like that. So that's cool. Or who has more formal programs. And I think that was actually started by Richard Louvre, who wrote The Last Child in the Woods, or he's like a founding member of that. Nature Rocks is a great website. And it's just, I don't have to give you the web addresses, you just Nature Rocks. But that's like a global program to kind of inspire families to enjoy nature together. There's another site, Get Kids Outside Now. (laughs) Really, Really straightforward there, Get Kids Outside Now. Um, which is basically what you just said, there's a thing called the walking classroom, which actually provides lessons so that entire, you know, you can get your kids outside if you're like homeschooling or whatever, or you can even offer this to your school and they can all be listening to lessons while they are on a hike. Yeah. And and I just wanted to say something about that. Like, so I, I had this little note calling just to remind me non-nature outside. So, so say you're a traditional school teacher right now, and you're like, I want to do all these things, but I am limited really by the rules of my school, consider just doing your regular old curriculum outside. Mm. Like, can you you go, you know what, we are going to do math outside. It doesn't have to be a school in or about nature more so than just being outside. You know, like they, the, the, the walking classroom, they, they put a lot of that, you know, that, what do they call that base curriculum? I don't know what there's like a term for it where like the base curriculum that grades have, they just put it on tape. So the kids just listen to it on a Walkman, you know, and and go Mm -hmm. out and go outside and walk around while they're listening to it. I don't think the kids use the Walkman these these days, Katie. What are you talking about? It's a Walkman, (laughs) isn't it? Like a tape, like a little tape. A mixtape? No, it's, it's like an MP3 player nowadays. What are you talking about? <laughs> they, the, the kids would like knock it against the ground like it's a coconut and they don't know what to do with it. They'd be like, what? What this? No, no. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. We got to jump forward a little bit. And the kids in the MP3s, that's what we're working on. Digital. But that's true. You can do, and at my kids' old school, they would, whenever they could do something outside, whether or not it was related to the outside, 
they would do it, and it was fantastic, you know. Yeah. And, and the th- other thing is, is people get concerned with their kids getting dirty, but gosh, they just get as dirty with tempera paint and Play-Doh and stuff all over themselves, so... What is it? You know, there's no real difference. I mean, dirt, dirt is dirt. So you know what? This seals it. We do need to do a show on clothing because right. clothing really does limit. You know, I've I I have heard out of the mouth of you know parents on the playgrounds where we are. It's like don't don't wreck your clothes. You know, like you are going to adjust your behavior to save your clothing. And we could just do like Maria von Trapp and make some clothes out of curtains or something Matching. for the purpose of going outside. You and I. <gasps> That when what anniversary is clothes made out of curtains? Second. Okay, so woo, one year. We just got we just got to make it another year, <laughs> and then we'll have our friend make us our talented seamstress friend make us some <sighs> matching dresses. Okay, few more resources. The Nature Conservancy have great outdoor lesson plans for either you to offer up to your school or just do your with your family. Same thing with the David Suzuki Foundation has like. Little family challenges and lesson plans to get you all outdoors together. And then a great site, and I don't know if I found this through you or not, the Free Range Kids. Yeah, Free Range Kids. I think I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is super fun. Yeah, I love that It's fun site. right up until mm. CBS calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that those are great resources, they and are. I know there are a million more. Um, but also just this. Here's, there's so many, there's a ton of resources and we can list them. Like uh, we could post this on Facebook and get a list of going underneath like a post, like post your favorite mm-hmm. resource. Um, there's also something called like let kids play, I think. Um, but let the children play. Let the children play is that a great one. one. Also super fun. Two things. One, if you want your kids in nature, just get yourself in nature and the kids will follow. Like be a nat- like if you like, I want a kid who loves nature, like just Work on yourself to being someone who loves nature and the kids just seem to follow. And two, if it all feels so overwhelming right now, just go outside. Mm-hmm. Just go outside. Like that is, the, that is the largest step, even if it's just on your front steps or in your front or back lawn. Just, just go there and sit down on the grass and your kids, as you know, will come and lay all over you. But like that is so much of what we're talking about. It really we get technical and we, you know, can offer so many resources, but in the end, it could just be that simple at first. You know, that's a good first step. Sage advice. Mm, sage. My son could probably identify that. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like on the other hand. <laughs> that was awesome talking with you about this. Um, I learned tons and I hope everybody else did too. Just a reminder for you listening, if you want to ask a question for the show you know there's something you want us to talk about or you're curious about something you can go to katie's website which is katiesays.com or restorativeexercise.com both of those and there's really cool ways that you can talk to us you can actually record a question to us using a little widget off to the side of the site or if you're shy you can type a question and we will get those and possibly add them to future shows also don't forget that we Love your reviews on iTunes and Stitcher because it really helps create a better show for you. It helps me do my job better, and and we love feedback. Don't forget to just take a few minutes sometime and give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Katie, think, do you have anything? I think that's. I think that might be the, our anniversary present is a is a review or feedback. Oh, that is an excellent idea. Since you all forgot to get us something <laughs> for our year anniversary. We will forgive you because you can just come in under the wire and give us a nice 
uh, thorough review on iTunes. Word. Thanks for yeah, word. All right. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Katie, and thanks to all of you for listening. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Ciao. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Katie Bowman's edutaining blog, katiesays.com. For books, online classes, downloads, and continuing educational courses with Katie, visit the Restorative Exercise Institute at restorativeexercise.com. You can learn more about Danny Hemmett at moveyourbodybetter.com.